there, there's not a whole lot of communities where you can point to and be like, wow, this, this is really working. This is what they're doing. And it's an, as I said, like we've existed as an experimental community where some of the things we've done has worked really, really well. And other things it's like, so that failed. That didn't yeah. work. Um, and most people aren't willing to, to fund, like most Christian church organizations are not willing to fund that, especially because again, when we use the language of creative and art and things like that, they're like, we don't find value in that. Where's your worship leader? Where's this, where's that? Where's your building? Where's the, you know what I mean? It's like, those things aren't the things that, 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 that help us to create the future that we're, we're moving towards. Let's begin, blank paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber, and this is the Sit Up Podcast. And uh, y'all know we try to take this show on the road as much as we can uh, because uh, we we like to do things a little bit differently here at Sit Up. And so this week uh, we had the honor of being at the Inhabit Conference. Uh, and we were able to connect with a number of really good folks uh, that we are going to be uh, putting out here over the next few weeks. So we uh, invite you to enjoy uh, this exploration uh, that we had at the Inhabit Conference, this conference that is about what does it mean uh, to see God in place. And you'll get the stories from different folks who uh, who are working in a specific place and context and and trying to trying to represent and see where God is working in those places. So we're excited about it. We're excited about you getting uh, to listen to this content. And, 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 and as always, if you have any questions, uh, if you have any uh, talk back for us, let us know. This is the Sit Up Podcast. Uh, you will hear producer Andrew Morgan uh, throughout these interviews. I am Leroy Barber. We are pleased to be with you again. Let's begin. into the sit up podcast i am your producer andrew morgan in for leroy barber we're at the inhabit conference yes that's right we're back it's uh we've been inside for a while and this is our first like out and about in COVID. i know we went on that tour you know we've, we've done some things during COVID, but this is a for real out and about up in seattle and we're in, uh, meeting some very interesting people at the inhabit conference and uh this gentleman we're gonna you're gonna hear from today Leroy saw him performing and said, you got to get this guy. We've got to talk to him. So uh, Carl and your last name. Amuzu. Amuzu. Yeah. And the way he explained it to me, can you explain it to me the way, yeah, <laughs> to so them, the way you explained it to me? If you, went for, if you went to a zoo full of cows, it would be a Amuzu. Zoo. All right. You heard it here on the Sit Up Podcast. Now, if you're listening to the Sit Up Podcast real quick, uh, in case you've never heard it before, SITUP actually stands for Sports, Innovation, Theology. The U as is ugly, which is not you, but it's the ugly and the injustice of this world. And the P is public discourse. We always want to hear from you on the SITUP podcast. So make sure you chime in and you let us know, you know, how we're doing, what you want to, what you want to hear, that type of thing. So you are from Vancouver, BC. I'm from Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. You know, we're the real Vancouver. Probably was first. I don't know, but I'm, I'm just joking. Uh, with you. I'm pretty sure we were first. 
but we we the OGs. Yeah. We the ones that run the game now. Yeah, y'all are one hundred percent. So, but the one thing that the two of us have in common, both Vancouver's, when I tell people where I live, and maybe you get this too, they be like, "Oh, it's brothers up there. Yeah. Oh, it's people of color up that way." Yeah. So tell me about your experience growing up and being in Vancouver, BC. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, growing up in Vancouver, it, especially when I when I was young, it was like white. It was like in my, in my elementary school, there was literally four uh, black kids in my elementary school. Two of them were my sisters. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then one of them was was is still one of my good friends to this day. Yeah, like I think like the myth about Canada, like people like, oh, they're they polite, they're not racist up there, it's whatever, whatever, but that's just not the reality. Like Vancouver, I would say because of almost the license, to because of the politeness around it, because people don't think it's racist, there's a license to be even more racist. And it, and, and so growing up, man, unfortunately, you know, growing up in that white space, it was it was tough. Like I, had, like, I got in fights like almost every day just because I was black. You know, having to fight white kids, calling me nigger and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. In my elementary school, like, I remember, uh, ironically, uh, my my teacher's name was Mrs. Church. And, like, she literally in front of the class, she'd be like, oh, you're a dumb nigger. You know what I mean? She'd keep me in for detention for being black. Like, that kind of stuff. So, just to dispel any kind of myth that Vancouver is not a racist place, it is hella racist. Um, but at the same time, like, there's beauty in the mix of that. There's... It's a very, it's, it's a culture that's, it's a city that has an emerging ethnic culture to it as well, right? So um, over the last 20, 20, 25 years, uh, we, I've really seen a lot of different immigrant communities pop up in Vancouver. We have a lot of Asian, different Asian communities like South Asian um, and East Asian communities that are there as well. And so as, as we're beginning to like see these things begin to emerge and really take shape, um, it's changing the narrative, so. You know, that, that's that's interesting, man, to see like your experience here is similar to the same experience someone could have had in Mississippi or yeah. some other place. It's just that's the way it is around the world, unfortunately. Do you do a work that combats that? What is the work that you're doing right now? I don't I don't specifically do do work like in like in like anti-racist yeah. kind of things like that. But I feel like it's, it's very much embedded in in what I do. I, f I feel like my very presence um, as, a, as a theologian, as, as an artist, as a storyteller, is about the work of liberation and a work of reconciliation. And so it's not specifically like naming it, like this is what we do, but it's just, it's just so embedded in what we do that it's part of it. Yeah, so the work that we do in Canada is, uh, we we'll call it, I'm, a, I'm a, I guess a pastor in a, in a, in a local community uh, that we call FOS, F-O-S, um, which is the, it's the Greek word for light. Um, and then we stylize it to make it look cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, so with that, like it's been an ongoing kind of, we call it an experimental community where we're just willing to like, just try different things for what does it mean for us to gather? What does it mean for us to build, like to hold space for one another? What does it look like for us to create space for people to, to really live into their most creative um, and their most authentic selves? And so over the years, it's looked like, um, we, we did this, this night that we called the kitchen table, it was like a creative arts night that was basically part art gallery, part spoke, like part like performance venue and part like open mic, you know what I mean? And, and the idea behind it was that if we get people in a room together and we allow them, we allow space for their stories to be heard and we allow space for them to share their art and their creative selves, it's going to spark creativity in, in other people in the room. And so 
it was, it was a really beautiful space for the fact that we had people that were like masters of their craft, like like you know people that that just they they were the best at what they do, um, yeah. and then show up alongside with like this is the first time I've ever played a guitar in public, and then hold space together and 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 and, and collaborate and hold like just like become part of each other's stories. You know what I mean? And watching different artists that were part of that community that have grown and and gone on to some really really cool things around the city and and even beyond. So. You know, I want to go back to something you said earlier. Uh, being a theologian in this space, I got a simple question. Like, what gives you the audacity to be able to say, I'm a theologian in this space? Well, one, I think all of us are always doing theology, right? Every right. time that we're trying to contextualize and interpret the world around us, um, especially through a, through a lens of faith, we are doing theology. So first and foremost, I would say everybody is should be a theologian. And when, but when you can name it and say, I'm a theologian, then you have the responsibility to show up and act like a mm. theologian. And, and I don't mean to sit there and scoot you like, oh, I'm going to teach people something. But it's that idea that we are constantly doing the work of interpretation and the work of contextualization and saying, this is what it means for us to show up in light of our faith. What makes up your influences? Yeah, um, I think my, my influences are pretty vast and varied. Everything from, you know, I grew up in hip hop culture and that that, yeah. that gave me a lot of my identity. Um, and within hip hop culture, especially like, you know, the whole black consciousness movements and stuff like that. And so I grew up reading Malcolm X. I grew up reading James Baldwin. I grew up reading all that, that, that material because it was part of finding my black identity in a very white space. Um, so as, as I began to kind of move in towards like theology and, and become, I guess, like, officially trained as a theologian, uh, definitely like black liberation theology has been a huge piece, like James Cone. Um, even like, I, I, you know, I really appreciate like, like Cornel West, cause I think he kind of, I think spoke to something that was an intersection that I was really interested in was the idea of like postmodern philosophy and black liberation theology. And what's that conversation actually? Cause you know, reality, it's a bunch of dead, well, some of them are dead. Uh, white European, the, you know, philosophers, yeah. and then um, an embodied black tradition that honestly, I think have they have the same critiques of the dominant culture around us. Yeah. So tell me this: how does how does theology and hip hop intersect? Um, well, again, I, I think it goes back to the notion that it's 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 contextualization and interpretation, right? Hip hop has always been. Um, a storytelling medium that has sought to um, be utilized in ways that allow the MC to, you know, the MC or the graffiti artist or the DJ or whoever, like to really kind of rep where they're from and to to tell the story of where they're from, you know, all the way back to, you know, you know, songs like White Lines and things like that, where it's it's talking about a reality that other people maybe couldn't experience, but then for people who were part of the culture, were like, I get that. You know, I mean, I grew up with that. I've seen that. Even and even like for myself growing up in a, in a white space, like I get that, uh, like I'm not from, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the Bronx. So like it, for me, it gave me a lens into their into their world. But then as as I've grown, as I've traveled, as I've been part of different communities, even realizing like the black community in Vancouver and what that looks like and the struggles that are present and all this stuff, like we see a lot of commonality and a lot of things that overlap and where hip hop gave us a common language to begin to talk about that. And I think that's what a theologian does is, is like, what is the common language that allows us to be able to talk about our reality? So yeah. I think that's where the two things intersect. But I want to keep it in hip hop. Give me a top three, <laughs> your top three that help build your theology, like help build who you are yeah. from a hip, you know, and we're talking hip hop. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm, I'm gonna go based top three based on influence. Okay. So not, not even necessarily like, ah, oh, they were the best or anything, but just right. influence. So I would say Public Enemy, Chuck D. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Growing up and then like discovering him later. So I was, I, there was like this massive catalog of music to digest. Ah, that's the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember reading his autobiography and just like, just like, like note after note after note of things I needed to follow up on, right? Um, Dead Prez was, was huge okay. in my imagination as well. Um, and then I would say it's, oh man, yeah, I only got three. Um, I would say the complexity of Tupac, um, okay. the, the duality of, of who he was um, really challenged me, but also um, I, I could see like it was a brother that that, that moved around and, and traversed a lot of different spaces and had different parts of himself exposed in different spaces. You know what I mean? Um, and it, so yeah, so I, I feel like like Tupac was was very influential in, in that piece as well. So, so I'm gonna ask you a, a question, kind of based off something that Pac said. He said the powers and the people and the politics they address. Yeah. So what are the politics that you and your people are addressing in the work you're doing? Yeah, that's good. That's a good question, man. Um, I think one 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 I, I, like even just to define politics, I think is sorting out our communal life, our common life together, right? What does that actually look like? Um, and, the, and what we're addressing as a community, I think, is trying to help people move towards a reimagination of what life could be like. Um, and asking questions around, especially our ideas of, of liberation and reconciliation around, around how do we hold space that's intentional and inclusive, right? Because reality is, it's, it's you know, like you have all sorts of different intersections where people show up to our community, but at the same time, in the culture around us, you have all sorts of narratives that tell us that certain people aren't allowed to show up. And so how do we create spaces that say, it's not only not only can you show up, but your presence matters, your presence ad adds beauty to this place, your presence, um, your presence allows this place to be something that it couldn't be without you, kind of stuff. And I, and I feel like, so like taking politics into the idea of the communal life together, is that when we change that that narrative piece, it says uh, we're liberated from the narratives that tell us that we don't belong, and we get to embrace a narrative that tells us that we do belong. It's, it's life changing for, for people. What's, what's one of your favorite stories you want people to know about the space that, that you guys take up? What's one of your favorite stories you want people to know about the space that, that you guys take up? Oh, man, it's, it's a hard thing. I always have a hard time telling other people's stories. Like, I feel, it feels like uh, I'm appropriating their narratives. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's a good question, man. Like, something that, like, just, just something that's actually been big in, our, in, in the community as we're trying to hold space, like, especially over COVID, it shifted a lot of things for us. Like, we... The, the latest iteration of our community um, started back up in September 2019 and then March 2020 rolls around and 
we spent so we spent the last two years forming our identity online. And you know, as every church, you're trying to find your way. Every community, you're trying to find your way. What does that actually look like? But one of the things I think it really highlighted for me is that no matter how flatline we try to create public space, um, a space where we gathered in person and, and said, okay, like everybody can show up and you know we'll hold space together, that, you know, circle up chairs or whatever. We'll try to make it as, as, as inclusive as possible. There are people who cannot be present in that space in our community. There are shut-ins, there's people who are just uh, social anxiety, all sorts of different things, illnesses, different things that they cannot show up. And then when we moved online, um, all of a sudden, like there's this crop of people. It's like, it's almost like we forgot you existed. Um, and I think that that shows that for me, at least the, the downside of the way that we have tried to organize um, our public life together, because it, it really benefits the extrovert. It really benefits the person who is able to, to show up and hold space and is confident enough and comfortable enough to do that, right? And so I think like the idea of finding liberation, but also reconciliation and also a new way forward for us in, this, in that last season is really leaning into the people that have, haven't had a voice in a long time, haven't been present in community in a long time, and then all of a sudden, like where COVID was, like, you know, for extroverts, like this is the death of us. But for introverts, it was like, man, like there's a new world that's emerging, yeah. um, new possibilities. There's yeah. ways of gathering. I didn't even know I could gather that way. I didn't know I could feel comfortable this way mm -hmm. in, in a place. And and I and, and so that's something I think for our community, we've been learning over this last little bit. But it's really been highlighted by by one of the members of our community that that like. Her, th her, 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 her words to our community is like, thank you for allowing me to show up the way that I show up. And like, we have never even seen her face, truth be told, because she, she just has a picture on her, on, 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 as a digital avatar, and it's just a picture. You yeah. know what I mean? But um, she, you know, she's a contributing member to the community, a participating member in the community. She shows up and adds beauty and, and value to the conversations that we're having as a community. Um, but we had to change the medium in order for that, for her to find liberation, for her to show up. In, the, in that way and and not that not that like I'm, I'm trying to advocate and say digital space is the only place that we need to gather because i think there's a there's a beauty to being in person but at the same time when we focused on solely gathering in a certain mode there was a whole forgotten group of people that didn't know how to or couldn't show up and, yeah. and so that's a, like that's a, that's just a reimagining point for us now going forward you know it's it's a lot of beauty in what you're saying because reaching people where they are like the go and go and make disciples like you're going yeah entering into that space of finding new technology finding new ways being innovative cost yeah what's funding like for you being a leader of color being a part of a group that's eclectic that's bringing all these different walks of life and it's not the traditional path the traditional path is well-funded. Yeah. It, what, is it a struggle or are you one of those few that are like, I'm blessed, we, we just keep, we, it comes with ease? Uh, no, it's a struggle, man. Um, like reality is, is that like, um, like we, how do I put it? I never want to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> um, like we partnered with like a different organization when we first started their church plan organization in Ultimately, um, it didn't go well because like their vision for what the church is, is, you know, kind of a mid-sized 250 plus congregation that gathers in a certain way. And it's like, that's just not our vision for what the church is, nor do I think that's the future of the church. Um, 
And so I, I would say that just kind of typified our experiences when we try to share like the vision of where we're going. People like people that are well-funded, the organizations that have the money to fund different things are usually like, we don't see it. We don't get that. We don't understand. We don't want to take the risk that, you know, you know what I mean? That it comes with that. Um, What's the risk that comes with it? Well, I think like we have a model, like especially within the church planting world, and, uh, even I find that language problematic, just church planting as a whole. But when we when we go into that world, um, the model basically is you got three years to become self, self-sufficient. Um, and we're going to fund you for a certain way. We're, we want you to go big and bold. Bigger is better. The more people you can get in, the more, you know, butts and seats and tax receipts, right? Kind of stuff. And, and uh, the risk on something like this is that it's it's a non-proven concept, right? Like there there's not a whole lot of communities where you can point to and be like, wow, this this is really working. This is what they're doing. And it's an, as I said, like we've existed as an experimental community where some of the things we've done has worked really, really well. And other things it's like, so that failed. That didn't yeah. work. Um, and most people aren't willing to, to fund, like most Christian church organizations are not willing to fund that, especially because again, when we use the language of creative and art and things like that, they're like, we don't find value in that. Where's your worship leader? Where's this, where's that? Where's your building? Where's the, you know what I mean? And it's like, those things aren't the things that, 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 that help us to create the future that we're, we're moving towards. Um, you know, and for us, it's like, what does it look like to, to actually create spaces where art is valued? Um, as not just a something that we consume, but as a even as a as a theological revelation and like the idea that within the church, um, you know, like to quote Paul, right, like a worker is worth their wage, and so that we need to start paying not just not the not just the worship leader because they help us sing Christian karaoke, but like the different artists that are part of our community that help us to have. Um, transformational experiences through art and things like that. How do we, how do we pay storytellers? How do we not, not pay, not, not just because they're commodities that we're trying to consume, right. but reality, we live in a capitalist society where yeah. money is necessary for us to, to do anything. And so like, just on that part of it, even how do we, how do we help people to, to continue to live out there? Like I would say the call that God has for them in this creative realm. Um, so that's one side of the funding part that, that just uh, is hard for us to actually do that. And then the other side of it, like you said, like technology just costs money. So for us to, to continue to risk and, and, and to innovate and to continue to say, okay, what does this next thing look like? And what do we need for it? Uh, we're constantly like, like bootstrapping it would be like an overstatement, <laughs> right? It's kind of, you know what I mean? Um, but we're always trying to figure it out. And I, but I think that's also like a scarcity, a scarcity of resources, I think also fosters innovation as well, right? Because like we've we've managed to do a lot with a very with a, with a little, um, but but it has also given us a, I think a, a way of seeing like if we had X we could we know how to scale this now, and so you know like like so if anybody listening man if you want to fund us like that'd be that'd be that'd be dope, <laughs> I would love that, um, and but at the same time, I think like it's it's just, I think it's just part also part of like I think that we something that's been handed to us by our ancestors is that we will we will make a way out of no way. Right? Yeah. Like we will find a way to make it work. Like we will find a way to hold space, to make community, to, to create, to, to continue to do art, to continue to do all of these things. Even if the world isn't willing to like just hand over, hey, here's a check, here's some money, here's whatever to make it happen. Like we will always find a way out of no way. Yeah. Well, this is the last question I got for you, man. You got such a transfiguring like space. Like it's one that is allowing the God, like the, the God within people to just be on display. Um, P 
people are coming and learning and growing in, in a really organic way. So when you have something that beautiful, what do you, what's your hope of what this beauty could blossom into? Mm-hmm. Let's just say if you've come to the end of the road with this work, where would you say you would want this work to be? That's a good question. It's, it's, it's something I've actually been thinking a lot about in the in this season. Um, like, what is the possibility of this community? Um, I see a lot of transformation and fruit and reimagination, and, and it's it's helped people to grow in in ways that have been really awesome to watch. Um, but at the same time, it's been a lim- I think it's a limiting experience as well because it's like, where do we go from here? question right and and so we just actually been right now that's the conversation we're actually having with our community and as much as i think i have some ideas of where i would love the community to go um i want to reserve and hold space for our community to actually imagine a future together I, like, and, and as someone who has helped to cultivate the space of what our community is of course i'm part of guiding that and part of helping to shape it uh but i really believe that the future of our community comes from the community in and of itself like what are the dreams of the community versus what are my dreams for this community um but if i had like you know but, but so in light of that what i re- what i really want to see happen with our community is that people feel liberated to actually begin to take risks to to hold space around them and as a community we can come alongside them we can help empower them like because like right now one, one of the just to, just to keep context of that, that question one of the things that's happened in COVID is that our community went from being we were we, we met in one neighborhood a lot of us lived in this neighborhood to people having to have moved away and stuff and so our community stretches from mexico to hawaii to la to washington to vancouver and it's like and these are people who are fully present in in, in what we do and it's like okay like how do we, like like holding space in one place isn't a possibility for us anymore and so how do we as a community come together to say this is what hospitality looks like this is what holding space looks like this is what setting the table around us looks like and so my wish for our community is that we can do that in ways that isn't just about serving the people who show up already but really creates like just what I, what I call front porch spaces where um you know like like, like I didn't like I didn't grow up in a, in a house that had a front porch so I always had front porch front porch envy when I saw a house with front porch <laughs> and you just see like people just hanging on the front porch when somebody walked by it's like hey how you doing that kind of vibe like even even, even if you don't know somebody like you just you're creating space for someone to show up and pull up and and be present and I think that's just counter to the world around us and so my, my hope for the community is that we can learn how to be a front porch type of space that when we when that when our the people that participate with us from 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 Mexico like when they're holding space that they're doing it in a way that's like hospitality matters that that creating this kind of space matters that helping people to to learn how to show up as their authentic self matters um and and that's something that I I can't do I can't just by nature of where I live like I, like I can't go and do that with them but I can still do it with them if you know what I mean exactly yeah well, man, that's 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 all I got for you today, man. I, if you if there's a way that people can reach out to you, hear more about the work that you're doing, is there a website, email, or um, I, you're a performing artist yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and you do hip hop, or do you do what? Um, I, what? I, I, yeah, I do hip hop. Hip hop is kind of like my primary vehicle. Um, also, poetry, film, like some filmmaking stuff as well. Uh, so, can people book you and bring you to their city or? You just primarily just roll when when where God sends you. Like, how, how does it work for you? Um, like, yeah, like 
truth be told, like the performance part and getting back out there performing is something that, that I've really, I'm, I'm reinvesting in in this season, where for the last few years, just because of my investment in the local community, I wasn't really open to, to doing that. But in this, this season, it's been a reemergence of, of myself in the, as a performing artist as well, right? So, um, yeah, so people could book me for sure. Um, they can find me at, um, like, e easiest way uh, to, to connect with me is, like, Instagram or, or Facebook and just, like, type in my name, Carl Amuzu. It's, it's the only one there. C-A-R-L-A-M-O-U-Z or Z in America, O-U. Uh, yeah, only one there. So you'll see a picture of a big black guy, uh, probably with a red beanie on. <laughs> All right. So... With that, we're gonna end today's show. And normally we end it with uh, with the song, uh, Let's Begin, but uh, you got a piece of work you, you we can take a brief listen to to close the show out with? Um, after the, the death of George Floyd, uh, myself and another local artist, a guy named Johnny Tobin, uh, we put out this, this song under the, the name uh, Guns of August. And the song was called Protest in the Key of C Minor. Uh, and it's just a track reflecting on, on just the protests and, and everything that was happening. All right, so here we go. We're gonna end with protests. In the key of C minor. In this, yeah, in the key of C minor. Let's begin. America's bloodlust demands another sacrifice, another Remit Till, another Samir Rice, another George Floyd, another Breonna Taylor, another Ahmaud Arbery, here comes another savior. You can feel the labor pains or is a pain misplaced? Is there something coming or monstering disgrace? Black bodies erased, I can't breathe. Strange fruit swinging in them southern trees. Gun smoke got us choking in the summer breeze. Thinking Cap still needs to go and take another knee. Can you hear our little brother's cry as he starts to plea? I just want to live so God protect me. Over and over we done let you down. I guess that's what happens when you elect a clown. In these current events we won't let you drown. We won't let you be another Michael Brown. Say